Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Wake Up to the Word, and it is morning, as you can tell by my throat. I still have a little bit of morning breath, and uh, no, coffee breath, morning throat. Let's get that uh, studio audience in there. We're so glad that uh, you're here, coming from the bowels of the... Archdale Communication Complex. We have Green Mountain Morning Morning Blend Breakfast Blend. That's it. Green Mountain Coffee this morning in our Wake Up to the Word mug. We still have some available if you'd like one. Uh, go to the website. You can see how you can do that. And uh, I've gotten some information from folks. A couple of people made the same comment. And so, I'm going to look right in the camera and tell you why I don't always look in the camera. Because <laughs> that's the comment. You don't look at us. You don't look at the camera. I don't feel like, I feel like you're talking. Well, I got information on my computer. I got my Bible over here. I got Jeff's stack of stuff right here. I got my control panel over here. I got the computer, obviously, right here. And so... I can't always, I'm my own producer, so I can't always look at the camera. But for you, Nancy, and you, Jeff, I'll look at the camera a little bit more if I can. But this is really a audio production at its heart. It's it's the information. Uh, obviously, I, I spent lavish amounts of money on the set. See, I didn't even put the on-air sign on this morning. That's how... How uh, out of sorts I am. So let me put it on for you. There you go. On air sign on. So uh, <clears throat> so that's how out of sorts I, sorts I am today. So at its heart, it's an audio production, not a video production. The video is a bonus. Maybe. <laughs> depending on your your perspective so uh see i got two microphones so no matter where i'm facing i'm getting picked up and uh so we don't get any of this stuff going on when i'm way far away from the mic i try to have both mics going and so we can uh make sure that we're heard but uh thank you so much for uh your thoughts and uh, uh we will uh endeavor to glance over from time to time so you feel like you're in a conversation with me, all right? Well, God bless you, okay? Well, we've gotten over 1,400 plays. Excuse me, 1,400 plays on our podcast. And we thank you so much. Still being heard in seven countries. And uh, we just would love uh, any comments, questions. I do have a question for tomorrow's episode that came in, so... It's about New Testament stuff, so I will address that tomorrow. So uh, stay tuned. We got some catching up to do because our reading for today in Old Testament is uh, from 5 to 12. And um, I didn't really get, I only did like chapter 1 of Joshua. So we're really going to kind of, I'm going to scan through about 10 chapters, 2 to 12 today. So we'll play a little catch up and... uh, We'll get to some things. There's some important stuff to talk about in that. So with that, let's get ready to rumble. 
yes. So uh, as we uh, come into the promised land, Joshua uh, brings them in, and uh, now they're going to, they're assessing the land, and they're coming up on the, this, uh, the land of Jericho. And uh, as many of you know the story of the land of Jericho, uh, Rahab hides the spies, all right? Now, this is an important character. Um, they call her a prostitute, and there actually is some question marks as to whether she was a prostitute or not. But when we get to the New Testament, they call her that again. So, I don't know how questionable it is, uh, but uh, some people say the word there could possibly mean that she was a uh, a um, a businesswoman rather than just a prostitute. But uh, be that as it may, in the New Testament, where this kind of carries over, uh, you see her again. In Matthew, and that's important because it says uh, in in Joshua chapter two, it says uh, uh, they went and came into the house of the a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and she hid them up in the in the thatch on the roof or the the grain and stuff, and um, and she knew, and this is a statement that she makes in chapter two, Joshua chapter two, verse nine. I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that that the fear of you has fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land melt away, excuse me, it's early, melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came into Egypt. So the word travels fast. And so she she hid them. They came and looked for her. And she said she gave them a, a, an escape route. She misdirected the, the uh, army. Of Jericho, the soldiers of Jericho said that they went through the gate and they 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 fled and they went after them. Um, chapter three is about recrossing the Jordan. Uh, all of the people coming in, thousands of them coming in, millions of them coming over into the promised land, and then once they get there, they put the twelve memorial stones there, and they stack up these memorials. Why do they do this? And this is uh, I I made a note of this in chapter four. And it says, why do you do this? Why do you have these memorials? Why do you place these things up? And I I look at this very similarly. Why do we put certain pictures on the wall? Why do we hang these things? Why do we have these uh, um memorials or dedications of things and and why do we have them why do we put them there it's so we can remember the event and so but are we remembering the events where god did amazing things like these people are doing that because it says right here when your children in uh, chapter 4 verse 6 uh when your children ask in time to come what do these stones mean to you then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Why do you put up memorials? So your children will ask. So you can pass the information down to your children. You can share the experience with them through your words, your emotions, you can show them how important it was to you. Um, 
and they had about 40,000 people ready for war. It says that down in 13. And I kept underlining every time I say, and the Lord said to Joshua, the Lord said to Joshua. So there's this ongoing conversation going with Joshua. <clears throat> and then, uh, now, now this, this apparently is more of a verbal thing than an appearance thing, because as we come in, um, first of all, there's something I noticed in five before I get to this Christophany at the end of five, at the beginning of five, uh, we see that the Lord again says in verse 2, it says, the Lord says to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So apparently the sons of Israel were circumcised in Egypt, but none of them were circumcised the next generation in um, the wilderness. And it says that in verse 5. Uh, chapter 5, verse 5, though all the people who came out of the, had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after that had come of Egypt had not been circumcised. So, um, I don't know if it was a tool thing, they didn't have the equipment, they didn't, I don't know what it was, but they weren't circumcised once they were wandering in the desert. And so, now they have to take time not only to get circumcised, but you got to heal up from that before you can go to war. You have to be at your best. So um, then here's a, a great little segment. The last segment of chapter five, we go down to starting at verse 13. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet for for the place you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. A couple of things going on here. This is obviously a Christophany. This is not an angel. This is the commander of the armies of the Lord. And why do I know that this is this is Jesus coming uh, here? Because Joshua jo drops down on his face and worships. And the commander does not correct him. As a matter of fact, he enhances that. Tells him he's on holy ground. And he, he uh, takes off his shoes. He does what he's told. So Jesus comes and appears to him in this Christophany as a warrior. And uh, this is uh, an important distinction because he's coming to Joshua um, and, and letting him know that this is a time of war. And there is a time for war. And I know that, you know, not everybody likes that, but... There is evil, and there are <clears throat> people who follow evil, and there are people who do evil, and God lets his people defend against the evil. And so understanding that is that sometimes there's a time for every purpose under heaven, right? Says Ecclesiastes. Um so I love another term, chapter 6, as we get there. Uh, this is a term that keeps coming up. Uh, 
mighty men of valor. You keep seeing this over and over again. Both sometimes uh, other people have them, but more often it talks about Israel, Israel's mighty men of valor that come and march. And this is where they tell them you're going to march around the city six days. And on the seventh day, you're going to march around the city seven days. You're going to blow your trumpets. Everyone's going to sound and the walls are going to come crashing down. And archaeologically, uh, they've found this city. <clears throat> the implosion of the walls. The implosion of the walls. And they believe that they have found the city of Jericho and its destruction described exactly how the Bible describes it. So, as we come down uh, in the middle of chapter 6, um, down at verse 17, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll start at 16 because it talks about the end. It, this The story, it's, it's interesting. When you read in the Old Testament, you feel like you're reading the same thing over and over again. Because first there's the instruction. That are, that's given to Joshua. Then Joshua gives the instruction to the people. Then there's the description of them carrying out the destruction. So a lot of times you'll see the same thing two and three times uh, repeated. And, and uh, this, this is process that goes on uh, throughout. So if you understand what's happening, you can skim through if you'd like. Uh, I've read through these things word for word multiple times. So sometimes I read the instruction and then I read the, uh, uh, I'll go right to the uh, enactment. And that's what this is. Down at the end, we get to come to the end of the enactment, 16. And the seventh time when the priest blew the trumpet, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord. <clears throat> shout for the Lord has given, shout for the Lord has given, there's a comma there, well, pay attention. Shout for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all this will within shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are within her house shall live, because she hid the messengers uh, whom who sent. So, um. And so uh, that is a couple of things from that passage. The word, we've talked about this before, but I'm going to mention it again. You're going to see this word, devoted. All right. We accidentally cut off, and now we're back. So I'll put the commercial right there. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll see this term, devoted to destruction. <clears throat> And um, these, this is an important reason for this destruction. I'm going to talk about it at the end a little bit, but remember that term, devoted to destruction. It's, it's mentioned multiple times. So then what we find here at the end of uh, the chapter um, is verse 25 of chapter 6. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her Joshua saved alive, and she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to the spot to spy out Jericho. Okay, not only did, did Rahab live, <clears throat> you see her in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, and she is in the lineage of Jesus. She lives here, 
and she's listed in the lineage for Jesus for for the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So that is an incredible account, and you see all the things that connect. And we talked about this a long time ago. <clears throat> Frog in my throat. <clears throat> we talked about this a long time ago. The the connectivity, the links, the hyperlinks, the, the superlinks from Old to New Testament, they are all over the place. There's thousands of them. And uh, <clears throat> there's a there's a doc in Jeff's stack of stuff. Jeff's stack of stuff that you can go back and look at. It's in the early, early days of uh, Wake Up to the Word, which is earlier this year. But you can find it in the stack of stuff. Um, <clears throat> you can see the 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 link doc in the in the as the picture. So as we get into chapter seven, uh, Israel's defeating um, gets defeated at I. Why why does that happen? So if you read through that again, <clears throat> it's because Achan took some of the devoted things that that they had devoted to false gods. And he took them and buried him in his tent, and it angered the Lord. So they lost to the city of Ai. They, but they didn't lose a whole lot of people, but they did lose some people. I think it says 36, 36 men. <clears throat> but um, uh, then uh, they discover the sin of Achan. That's also in 7. And then they go back with 30,000 men and... They have a great battle plan. They lure in. They go up to the city. And when they start fighting, they retreat. And uh, they think the guy, the army from I thinks, uh, oh, they're doing the same thing they did last time because they were losing last time. And they chase after them to do away with them. But then they come in behind them and scourge the city uh, with more people and overwhelm them. Great battle plan. And here's the thing that most people don't know about Israel. You look at Israel and you think of um, uh, meek, passive, but you can't read through the Old Testament and think that these were not great battle strategists, warriors. Uh, these were people who were fighters. And even when you look today and you talk with soldiers who've been involved with with the Israeli army, even to this day, uh, Israel knows how to fight. They know how to fight. And, and uh, some say their special forces are the elite in the world. Their pilots are the elite in the world. Uh, the Mossad is uh, very similar to our uh, clandestine uh, forces. And um, uh, they say these people know no uh, war. They know how to battle. And that's right from the beginning. They've had to fight and battle for, for everything they have. So <clears throat> uh, Joshua renews the covenant after uh, taking I. Uh, Gibeon comes in. Gibeon, Gibeon, the Gibeonites come in, a crew, crew of them uh, come in, and they, they deceive Israel, telling them they're from a far land. They're not from this area. And uh, they come in and deceive them, make a covenant with them. And so... Uh, um, and they make them vow not to not to harm them, and they do vow that, and uh, then they find out that they are actually in the land. So uh, Joshua tells them that they're going to be workers. Uh, we're going to honor our vow because we made it before the Lord, <clears throat> but you're going to be workers and servants um, to Israel. Uh, 
uh, and that's 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 what happened. Um, as they go up, um, the battle that comes up here as they go into um, as they go in they go into the land uh, to fight. <clears throat> um, they go in to actually take Jerusalem. Interesting. I tried to look up stuff on Jerusalem and when that changed into Jerusalem and. There's a lot of interesting uh, material that I have to kind of sort through, so I didn't put anything up on it, but uh, I was reading this one scholar who didn't think Melchizedek was actually the king of Salem, Shalom, but he was the king of Sodom. Um, he believes the translation is wrong. So that was an interesting article. I read through it. Don't, don't, uh, don't know exactly if he's right or wrong. I have to do some research, um, which I like to do, but... Um, but they say that uh, this uh, Jerusalem came up in some of the prefixes of it, Jerus Shalom. Um, uh, but but this is the land of Jerusalem that uh, before Israel has it, and the king is Adonai Zedek, and um, he's the king of Jerusalem, and they got to go in and conquer that. And so Joshua uh, went up from Gilgal. He and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. There they are, the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. And so uh, here's the interesting thing. As they go in and attack this, um, they the, the Lord threw them into a panic. All the, all, because the armies all came together from all the different nations to battle against them. And the Lord threw them into a panic. And then as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the ascent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. Uh, there were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. And at that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel and he said to this, to this, in, he said in the sight of Israel, <clears throat> "Sun, stand still at Gibeon, the moon in the valley of Ajalon." And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nations took vengeance on the enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of the heaven, and not, and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of man for the Lord fought for Israel. So Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. This is an interesting thing and um, <clears throat> I've read different articles about this at uh, different times and I may post something up on uh, on uh, Jeff's, Jeff's stack of stuff um, but I, but I, uh, I'm, I'm a little short on time uh, this week, and next week I'll, I'll have more time. But um, I may put something up there for you to check out. But uh, there are some ancient documents, some ancient writings that report <clears throat> that at about this same time frame, this same era, that this was going on, and the longest day went on in, in, um, in the in the east. In the West, there's writings that there was an abnormally long night that occurred at about the same time. And so <clears throat> when some people um, talk about 
well, what was this? What, what, what happened? What, what was going on? And some people say, well, maybe it was a comet that came and, and lit up the sky or an unusual uh, reflective uh, occurrence that, that took place. This seems to be saying that historically, there seems to be a uh, celestial event that takes place with the, with the sun itself or, and or the earth. Uh, some people say the earth's uh, rotation slowed or stopped. Um, that to me would have a devastating effect on the people of the earth. And this doesn't seem like that occurred here, but I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know what God did. We'll find out in heaven for sure. But uh, there's lots of interesting articles. Uh, put your thoughts in. What do you think happened? Um, <clears throat> God made it happen. We know it's a miracle. Um, and we know that uh, historically uh, that God's fighting for him. Did you notice? Here's something I wanted to pull out that's kind of a uh, personal thing. Did you notice that even though God did assist by sending hailstones that could kill people. Oh my gosh, can you imagine getting hit with a hailstone that kills you? Um, that wasn't Joshua's request. Joshua's request was for more time to win the battle. And that is what our heart should be. Our heart shouldn't be, God, take this away from me. God, uh, win this battle for me. It should be, God, give me the light give me the insight give me the give me the visibility give me the vision so that i can see and i can have the time to win this battle myself uh help me to be what you've called me to be help me to win these victories help me to to vanquish the enemy lord in these areas of my life give me the sight give me the sunlight to see it and give me the stamina to win and so, and yes, and the Lord came in and helped as well. So <clears throat> that should be our prayer. We shouldn't be praying for God to remove things from us. He sh we should be given, asking for the sight and the vision to see it clearly so that we can defeat it uh, w within ourselves. And yes, that is from the Lord too. That's a miracle as well. So um, these are great things. These are cool things that we see throughout Scripture. So here's a continual repeated uh, discussion. Some interesting things come up in, in the end of 10. Uh, the conquest of southern Canaan and the conquest of northern Canaan. That's in 11. <clears throat> and the words, they devo and devoted every person to destruction. And it says it again. Uh, in, that's in verse 35. And it says it again. In verse 40, when we come up with these different people, devoted destruction, all that breathed. And then down in 11, uh, devoted them to destruction, devoted them to destruction in verse 11 and 12. So there's this devoted them to destruction theme that God is wiping these people out. And you see the region, the southern Canaan and northern Canaan. And uh, this is interesting that it's written in the language of southern kingdom, northern kingdom, uh, because that hasn't occurred yet. Uh, so some speculate that this is written after the fact, and that's entirely possible. <clears throat> um, which obviously was written after the fact because all the events had taken place and they were they were recording them. But then as we get to the end of 11, this is what is is some of the reason why. Why is all of this happening? 
For it was the Lord's doing to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, in order that they should be devoted to destruction and should receive no mercy, but be destroyed just as the Lord commanded Moses. 21, listen to this. And Joshua came at that time and cut off the Anakim from the hill country, from Hebron, from Debar, from Anab, from all the hill country of Judah, and from all the, all the hill country of Israel. Joshua devoted them to destruction with their cities. There was none of the Anakim left in the land of the people of Israel. Only, pay attention, only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod did some remain. So Joshua took the whole land according to all the Lord had spoken to Moses, and Joshua gave it for an inheritance to Israel according according to their tribal allotment, or according to the sons of Israel, or Jacob. Gave them their allotment, gave them their inheritance. <clears throat> the Anakim, we've seen multiple verses, we've already talked about this. The Anakim traced back all the way to the Nephilim in Genesis chapter 6. When in the days of Noah and also afterwards, the sons of God came to the daughters of men and married them and had children with them. These were the men of old, men of renown. The Anakim are part of that group. These are these are the giants. These are the, the result of that second rebellion against God, the genetic rebellion against God. And this these are these are being destroyed they're being wiped out because they are coming up against God because that is what the Anakim are doing that is what they're devoted to so God's devoted them to destruction okay why didn't they take them out of the other areas because that's the fil those are the uh, Philistine Philistine cities uh and you notice Gath in one of those cities uh there were still some of them left in those areas who famously is known to come from Gath? -na 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 -na. That's right. It's Goliath. Goliath of Gath. Also, also a uh, descendant of the Nephilim, of the uh, Anakim. And so they are left. God's setting up David's conquering. And so as we come into 12, you see that there's like a little bit of a wrap-up uh, that, that Moses came and killed uh, um, Og, king of Bashan, one of the remnant of the Rephaim, and that uh, they ruled over Mount Hermon. And uh, Moses, the servant of God, and the people of Israel defeated them. So these are the remnants. These are the, This is the reason. We don't always hear why, why is there so much death? Why is there so much destruction? Why are they going in and killing all these people? This is why. And it's kind of foreign to our thinking in this day and age that there is a genetic reason that uh, it sounds very racist, but it's not. It's a rebellion against God. It's a genetic rebellion against God. It's not a racial thing. It is that these people have been influenced both 
singular with both uh, in their thinking, in their devotion to destruction against God, as well as they've been influenced genetically against the creation of God. And so uh, this is t- this supernatural worldview, and this is how you have to read scripture. And if you're not reading scripture this way, then you then you're missing all of what's happening. So that's what I got for today. We're so glad you joined us at Wake Up to the Word, Old Testament Thursday, and this was episode 59, Old Testament, episode 59. See you tomorrow.